Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. Now, I know this episode is a little bit late, and that's because I took a quick vacation to do some rock climbing in Vinales, Cuba. Usually, the podcast is a bit late because I forgot to hit the uh, post button. But uh, this week is for a real reason. But not to worry, uh, all the same podcast episodes all still come out. We are here to try to keep you up on the literature, and we're going to continue to do that week after week. Okay, let's take a quick look ahead at everything that we'll be covering. First off, violence in the emergency department, both verbal and physical. It's a huge problem, but let's put some numbers to it. After that, a quick word to the wise on delivering bad news. Then let's have a look about all that big fuss about the amount of diagnostic error we see in the emergency department. After that, do dimers still work in COVID? A larger study this time. And then finally, epi via meter dose inhaler instead of nebulized for croup. Let's check that out. Now, if you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a journal feed subscriber, and so you will not be receiving the full journal feed podcast, only a portion of the past week summaries. Don't worry, all the articles, they're all good. But if you would like to get access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember that we don't ever want money to be a barrier to patient care, so if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, just please get in touch and we'll help you out. Now, this is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Doug Wallace, Megan Hilbert, Rebecca White, Megan Breed, and Clay Smith. Okay, let's jump over to the third article. Titled, Misdiagnosis in the Emergency Department, Time for a System Solution out of the JAMA. Now, modern medicine is better than it ever has been before, but we're not perfect and there are still errors that we make in diagnosing things, and this is just inevitably going to happen. A recent systematic review commissioned by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality has caused something of a stir if you haven't heard about it already. Some see diagnostic error as a personal failing, but most of the time that's unlikely to be the case, and perhaps the system is what actually needs to be improved and not necessarily the individual so much. So this systematic review reported a 5.7% emergency department diagnostic error rate with harm resulting from misdiagnosis occurring in 2% of cases, and then serious harm in 0.3% of cases. Many found these numbers to be scary, even abhorrent, but every domain of medicine has diagnostic error. Nowhere is perfect. Primary care has an error rate of 6.3% and a serious harm rate of 0.1%. That's quite similar. And from autopsies, there's an 8% diagnostic error rate and 0.4% serious harm rate in hospitalized patients. So we're actually doing pretty well in the emergency department. These are very comparable rates. And considering all the time pressures, crowding, a multitude of distractions, and this is the first time you ever see a patient, I think that this is a real testament to how capable emergency medicine doctors really are. Good job, friends. Now, the big three conditions that were noted in the original review were vascular events, cancer, and infections, which make up 68% of errors resulting in serious harm. These would be a good place to try to focus our training and quality improvement measures in the future. Also, the diagnostic error rate that we have shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. These are figures that we ought to know. 
better standardized metrics, definitions, and assessment tools that allow for increased transparency surrounding error, as well as better monitoring, should be a priority so that we can target errors for improvement, as well as never be surprised by the mistakes that we do make. All of this would hopefully be done in a blame-free fashion. After all, to err is human, and so we need the best systems possible to work in. In a spoonful, while the numbers might seem scary, our diagnostic error rates in the emergency department are actually similar to other settings, which is incredible given what our setting is and speaks to systematic problems rather than problems with any one individual. Okay, and then we'll jump to the final article. Titled Epinephrine Metered Dose Inhaler for Pediatric Croup out of the Journal of Academic Emergency Medicine. Now, I know croup season is kind of over, but it's really common, so I'm not worried about this not being as timely as it possibly could be. Now, one of our go-to treatments for croup is nebulized epinephrine. But when COVID kicked off, everyone was really scared about aerosol-generating procedures. And so the obvious replacement to nebulization would be a metered dose inhaler. But would that have the same effect if it was epi for treating croup? A Canadian quality assurance network of nine pediatric emergency departments developed algorithms for assessing the dosing of epinephrine metered dose inhalers with valved spacer devices for the treatment of croup. Initially, five puffs were given at a dose of 125 micrograms per puff, and then the patients were reassessed 10 minutes later using the Wesley Croup score. Additional puffs, up to a total of 15, were given if there was minimal improvements defined as a change in the Wesley Croup score of less than 2 points. They were able to include 210 patients with a mean age of 3 years old. The majority of patients had moderate croup with scores of about 3 or 4, and only 5 patients were near respiratory failure. Median group scores of pre- and post-treatment were 4 and then 1, a reduction of 3 points within 60 minutes of treatment. This is a pretty highly significant change, and it was statistically so as well. Adverse events were minimal, 2 cases of reported agitation and 2 children with pre-existing tachycardia. In Spoonful, now while this study didn't actually have a control group, it does seem that meter dose inhaler administered epinephrine would be comparable in efficacy uh, when compared to nebulized racemic epinephrine for the treatment of croup. Okay, that's it. That's all we've got. Let's do our wrap up. Let's just do a quick summary of everything we learned today. From the third article, we need to continue to improve the systems that we work in in order to reduce our rate of diagnostic error. I'll paraphrase James Clear here to say that we do not rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our systems. And so we need systemic change in order to improve, I mean, well, everything, patient care. And then from the last article, MDI administration of epinephrine for croup appears to show similar clinical improvement as nebulized racemic epinephrine, though they were not compared directly in this study. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. Now, if you're feeling like you've missed out a little bit, got a little bit of FOMO, you'd like to hear more podcasts, then come over and join us at the members feed. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more, and then hopefully use that information to save lives. 
one spoonful at a time. Thank you.